everyone, and welcome to another edition of Natural Gas Intelligence's Hub and Flow podcast. My name is Patrick Rao, Director of Strategy and Research for NGI. And I'd like to take a few minutes to share with you our observations and takeaways about the LNG industry that we've derived from the various North American energy sector second quarter 2020 earnings conference calls. This podcast is one of four distinct podcasts containing our thoughts from those second quarter calls, with the other three focus on the general oil and gas industry, shale, and Mexico. And we'd encourage you to give those a listen as well. So certainly the global pandemic has suppressed global LNG demand, and the U.S. has been no exception. Total succinctly stated on its second quarter call that, quote, clearly today, U.S. LNG is not very profitable, unquote, but was quick to add that there's been no change to its long-term outlook for LNG from the U.S. As for the short term, we believe that around 125 to 130 would-be cargoes from the U.S. were canceled between April through August, but things do appear to be looking up. The number of cancellations for September appear to be in the 20 to 25 range, down from as many as 50 in August. And according to NGI's U.S. LNG export tracker that appears each day in our daily LNG insight service, feed gas deliveries to the six lower 48 liquefaction facilities topped 5 BCF a day on Friday, August 21st, the first time that's happened since late May. Going forward, the economics of shipping LNG from the U.S. Gulf Coast to both Asia and Europe look favorable as well. According to the 12-month U.S. to Asia and Europe arbitrage curves we publish each day in LNG Insight, spreads between the U.S. and those two continents range between 30 and 60 cents above variable costs for October and rise to more than a dollar above variable costs for some of the out months. So there's some potentially good news out there indeed, which could help restore feed gas to the U.S. liquefaction plants back to the 9 BZF a day or so we saw earlier in the year. So now I'd like to just take a quick rundown of the current U.S. lower 48 facilities. Start by noting that Semper entered its Cameron Train 3 into service a few weeks ago. Kingdom Morgan is getting closer to a full completion of its Elba Island export project, as the seventh of the 10 trains there is now ready for service. However, we note that demand for LNG from that particular facility has been extremely low. Shell owns 100% of that capacity, They've only taken two cargoes from there thus far in 2020, and both of those were way back in January. We believe the majority of the U.S. cargo cancellations so far in 2020 have been from Chenier, Sapin Pass, and Corpus Christi terminals, in large part because of contractual flexibility there. Chenier's customers have up to two months to cancel cargoes and only have to pay fixed liquefaction fees to do so. Cargoes from Cove Point in Maryland have been steady and largely unaffected this year, which we believe is largely a function of its main customers, Sumitomo of Japan and Gale Limited of India. Those entities send many of their cargoes back to their home countries for more of a baseload type of usage. They don't send all of them back to their home countries, but a good majority of them do, but they tend to take all the cargoes to which they're entitled. We believe that the steady 800 MMCF a day or so of feed gas to that facility contributes to more stability and basis differentials in the Appalachia everything else being equal. So that's a nice uh, stabilizer there of basis differentials in the area. So those are, those are the current facilities, but the second wave of U.S. facilities continue to be delayed, or at least those that aren't already under construction. Weak global gas prices and COVID concerns have pushed the final investment date decision times for proposed second wave projects back to 2021. 
For example, Semper's Port Arthur, Tullerin's Driftwood LNG, Next Decade's Rio Grande, and Piriday's Gold Barrel projects all now carry an expected FID date into next year. In the case of Tullerin and Next Decade, those two companies are at risk of running out of financing before the end of next year. So for them, reaching FID sooner than later is all the more critical. Related to that, LNG Limited was forced to sell its proposed Magnolia LNG project for a mere $2 million because of liquidity concerns. Now, if the various second-wave projects that have yet to move forward are unable to reach FID, then we believe that Chenier, Sempra, and Freeport LNG could all potentially expand to help fill any global shortfall. Now, the one North American LNG export facility that does seem most likely to FID next is Sempra's Energia Costa Azul project in Baja, California. And all that's holding that back is the need for an export permit from the Mexican government. That's been delayed because of COVID. But Semper is hopeful it will receive that permit sometime during the third quarter. In addition, TC Pipeline said it has extended the FID date for its proposed 495 MMCF a day North Baja expansion project until the third quarter to accommodate the Costa Azul delay. So a large-scale LNG expansion is currently on hold in the U.S., Small scale is starting to gain momentum in the U.S. and other parts of the world. New Fortress Energy and Golar Power both have successful small-scale electricity projects in Central and Latin America that transfer LNG from larger vessels onto smaller boats, such as FSRUs, that can then discharge LNG into those smaller ports. Both companies are looking at a number of different potential opportunities, with more potentially emerging in parts of Asia and Africa as well. In the United States, back in July, the U.S. approved shipping LNG via rail, which could certainly open up opportunities to reach domestic markets where natural gas pipeline capacity is lacking. But late last week, a consortium led by 14 different states initiated action to overturn that decision. So we'll see what happens there, and we'll definitely at NGI be covering those developments in LNG inside as they occur. That's all I have for today. We tried to keep this one quick. As a reminder, you can follow how LNG developments may impact natural gas prices in the United States via our daily LNG Insight service. For more information on that and on all of our services, please go to our website at www.naturalgasintel.com backslash podcast. On behalf of everyone at Natural Gas Intelligence, I'd like to thank you for your time today and hope wherever you are, you are safe and sound. Take care and talk to you soon. 